Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another Reaching the Summit podcast for a Thursday 30-minute preview. We are back to preview two teams in the Summit League, and this week we are going to preview Denver heading to Western Illinois. So representing Denver this week will be myself, Todd Buckingham. You can find me on Twitter at ReachSummitPod. And then joining me this week for Western Illinois, I have Scott. And Scott, if you want to just introduce yourself. Yeah, hi, uh, Scott Holland. Uh, I cover Western Illinois here in Macomb for the McDonough County Voice and for Reaching the Summit podcast. You can find me on Twitter at uh, HotScoland8183. And that's been covering Western for a while, so interesting times. Yes, very very interesting times. And if you have listened to any of these Thursday 30-minute previews before, you've noticed there's been three of us on typically. Uh, that could tell you something. Since I'm here to represent Denver, we could use somebody to represent Denver. So uh, if you are interested, you happen to listen to this, and I will say Tim Hill uh, represents Oral Roberts and Kansas City and is that neither of them are his team per se. So you don't even have to be a Denver person. We just want you to be able to try to focus on that team, uh, give a little bit of content here and there. And uh, so if you're just looking for something fun to do and want to cover, cover Denver men's and women's, if you're interested in basketball, uh, j- just Direct message me on Twitter is probably the easiest way to do that. So, Scott, I wanted to start out by you've been on before to to preview a, a matchup with Western Illinois. Can you just get us cut up to speed? There's actually some better things happening for the Leathernecks in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, the last time I was on uh, was in preparation for the Western and South Dakota series, which the the Coyotes uh, split or swept Western here in Macomb and. The second half of that game, South Dakota was up by 37, and but Western kind of stormed back and made things interesting. That's kind of been a turning point for the Leathernecks. Is since that series, they've won three or four, three straight, uh, splitting at North Dakota, then sweeping Omaha uh, last week. So looks like that loss or that series kind of woke Western up against South Dakota, and things are kind of trending the right way. They just, uh, you know, they just kind of finally figured things out at the offensive end. It looks like where they finally got some perimeter help. Colton Sandage is, is kind of came out of nowhere after. Struggling at the beginning of the season has really found his shot, and that's kind of opened some things up. And Will Carius has just done what he's done all year, you know, anywhere from 15 to 20 a night, and he's getting some help around him too. So Western's starting to get that that offensive balance, getting the inside-out game working. And defensively, they've just been much better these last two weeks, and uh, that's got people thinking that maybe the Leathernecks are starting to put things together and figure things out under Coach uh, Rob Jeter in his first year at Western. Well, in that second game against South Dakota, that was the game they came back, like you said. And Colton Sandage played really well in that comeback effort. Has he started every game since? He has. He's a guy, he started at the beginning of the season, and then he just really struggled to find a shot as he made that leap from the junior college level to Division One, And he'd really been fighting to earn minutes, and he hadn't gotten much time. And, you know, when you're down 37 and you're building a program like Coach Jeter is, that's when you find out who really wants to play and who wants to earn their time. And Colton Sandage really found his shot. And you know how shooters are. The first time that the first shot that goes in after that, it seems like it just becomes easier. And he started every game since. He's made a big impact for Western. Defenses have to respect the Leathernecks on the perimeter now, and that opened things up. And he just really helped open things up for the offense, really kind of giving them, like I said, that inside outside balance so they're not just pumping the ball inside every time down every time down the floor 
Well, and that is what they did a lot of, especially inside to Tamel Pearson at the beginning of the year. And now they do have that balance, like you said. So I'm here to to kind of get us up to speed. We haven't talked about Denver on the the previews yet this year. So I will do my best to do that. I have watched several Denver games this season. One thing I will say in our latest power rankings, they were in eighth, which for most teams in the summit league, that would not be good news Uh, for Denver. That is good news. They had been in ninth in every single power ranking nine out of nine. In case you weren't sure how many teams were in the power in, in the summit, they were in ninth at every power ranking up until last week. And they got their first, uh, Summit League win and their first Division One win la- last week. And what I will say for Denver is things have been going better in the last in the last two or three series. Uh, things were looking really rough for the team at the at the beginning of the year. And like I had said, they had not won a Division One game up until last weekend. And some of the names that you well, there's really probably only two names that that are most of our listeners knew coming into the season. One being Jace Townsend, who was the number two scorer on last year's team behind a day murky. Uh, murky graduated. And so Townsend has taken that scoring role. He's averaging close to 20 points a game. Some efficient games, some not so efficient. Um, but the junior guard is is having a really good season. Uh, like I said, 19.8 points per game, 4.2 rebounds. And then another familiar name that we didn't get to see for a big chunk of the season, Robert Jones, the 6'10 forward out of Minnesota, came back last weekend for his first action of the season, and you could tell it made a difference. They had an inside presence. Uh, They've been trying a lot of different uh, players down in the post, like Frank Ryder, who's a grad transfer, and it just wasn't working well. Sam Hines is a really nice freshman forward, but he's not a back to the back basket kind of player. So to get Jones back, that really helped with some of the balance. Just Scott, like you said, for Western Illinois, uh, Denver was missing some of that balance. You still see Coach Billups experimenting with the roster quite a bit, still trying to find who are the players that are that that give Denver the best chance week in and week out. Um, but it and it, it's just kind of an experiment week in and week out, as I said before. Um, after uh, Jones and Townsend, there there isn't a whole lot other than Sam Hines, the the freshman forward, and um, Tristan Green, a forward. Uh, I, I, now I don't remember which year Green is, but uh, another score close to ten points a game. Every once in a while, Roscoe Eastman. The, the lead guard will give you some quality minutes, but he's really more of a distributor, not, not much of a scorer. And uh, so, and there's not much to speak of coming off the bench for Denver. So we have this interesting matchup with a team with one win in uh summit league play and a team with three wins. And it just so happens that those three wins are all uh, consecutively. And, uh, so Scott, I wanted to ask a couple questions about Western Illinois, just in general, you had mentioned Will Carius earlier. And one of the things that I've noticed with him is he was, has always had a, been having a good season, but the last, I don't, I don't know, maybe six games, eight games, he's, he's getting himself into that conversation of first, second team type summit league player. And I really didn't think there was anybody on Western Illinois who is going to be in that conversation for second team summit league. 
But Curious has really put himself in that position, in my opinion. Have you noticed anything that changed? Was it just him being more assertive on the offensive end, or, or, or was there really nothing specific? He just kept doing the same thing, and it, it led to, to better results. I think it's a case of him just getting more comfortable playing at the division. Division one level, I think it's more uh, getting comfortable with Coach Jeter and his system, and I think it's more of a, a just a group effort where you, I think everyone's starting to get more comfortable playing with each other. The floor spacing team wise has been so much better these last three or four weeks. Where you know before it would be really jam packed and it just seemed like guys were running into each other more often than not, but right. now the spacing is better. That opens things up for him. He you know he can put the ball on the ground, which I think helps a lot more because defense to see you knock down a few shots. Well, they're going to come out and guard you. Well, now he can kind of back guys down because he is a bigger guy, and it's kind of pick your poison with him. Is it you're going to put a smaller guy on him who can chase him around, or you're going to put a bigger guy on him who he can shoot or he can create some space with and maybe get a shot up over so it's been just him I think getting more comfortable seeing a few shots go in and just having a couple big games combined with the rest of the team really feeling much better and I mean Will Carius he said it himself he said he thought the team chemistry is just night and day from where it was two months ago to where it is now right did he sit out last year or did he play at the division three level he was at Monmouth College which is about 45 minutes up the road from Macomb. He was he was there a, a year ago. He was at Northern Michigan in Division Two a, a few years before that. So he's made the rounds at the uh, right. at the NCAA. But he was at Monmouth. He came down here. He was eligible. He's a grad transfer, so he's eligible to play right away. And he's just really he's been here. He came here to score. That's why Coach Jeter brought him here he, to be a shooter, to be a leader. And that's the role he's really kind of figured out, and he's really been plugged into for Western. Well, it's one of those interesting things because who knows what coach's plans are uh, with this such a unique year because it doesn't technically count. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know how how old Will is, but he could come back and play again next year if if the team wanted him back and he wanted to come back. He's one of those guys where if he were to come back next year, I, I could see myself putting him on a preseason first team Summit League. He just seems to have found his comfort level and I could see him coming back next year and really being a dynamic scorer in the Summit League. He mentioned the other day that he wants to play next year. Now, whether that's in Macomb, whether that's somewhere else, maybe it's professional level, international, but he said he's going to play basketball wherever. It's kind of one of those, whoever will have him next year, he'll be in their uniform. I don't want to say he's a free agent because everyone's pretty attached to him here at Western, but he's determined to play, whether it's professionally overseas or or is – take advantage of that extra year the NCAA is is giving at student athletes this year. Right. Well, and I, I, I know I already mentioned Robert Jones, but I did want to bring him up again. Um, looked pretty healthy on that knee. He seemed to be um, back fully. He did still have, and man, I wish I remember which knee. I think it was his right knee. Um, it still had the sleeve on it, and and he didn't start the first game against North Dakota. So I thought maybe they were uh, having him on a minutes restriction, but he played, I think it was 27 minutes if I'm remembering right in that first game against North Dakota and then started the second game. Yeah. Well, if it wasn't exactly 27, he he played major minutes. So I wanted to ask you from a a Western Illinois standpoint, do you think it'll be Tamel Pearson spending most of the time on Robert Jones? I would imagine it will be a healthy dose of Tamel Pearson and Adam Anhold off the bench, uh, getting his, oh, yeah. his crack at him too. Uh, Rod Johnson, he hasn't played the last couple games for Western, so 
So I don't know if he's dealing with an injury or if he's just kind of – it's just been a matchup issue, but he is, he hasn't played the last couple weeks. So I imagine it will be Pearson and Anhold. And you mentioned Jones, and just going back to the South Dakota series, those back-to-the-basket bigs have given Western a hard time all year. You know, Camatero's had a terrific series against Western for the for the Coyotes. I mean, no one can guard Robracha right now, but he was a handful for Western as well. So, you know, that matchup on Jones on the block, that's going to be really pivotal for Western. If they're going to want to sweep or split, they're going to have to at least push or break even there with the, with the big fella. Right. Yeah. And like I said, he seemed to, at least from my untrained eye, it seemed to to have his, his energy and, and focus back. And it made a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, they, Denver had been real bad defensively at stretches this season. And, and, you know, it wasn't perfect. They were both games, I think were in the eighties against North Dakota for them, but they both went into overtime. So if you figure 10 points in an overtime period, that's not horrible defensively. It's not necessarily good either, but just such a difference. Uh, he was in, in multiple blocks in both games for Jones, uh, so he does make a big difference down in the block for them. The, the uh, Another player that I already mentioned, Sam Hines Jr., a freshman. It, you know, I, it'll probably be Tyree Iannaccio, who who is the most thought of freshman coming out of this season. But Hines deserves to be in that same conversation, averaging 10 points, six rebounds, a really good athlete, a little bit of ability to step out and shoot the ball. He's a little undersized for as a as a big man per se is about six six, but his athleticism and 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 that makes up for it as well. Yeah, I watched a little bit of him, and he kind of reminds me of Burrell for uh, Cameron Burrell for Western, where he's just an athletic guy who can just really go and get the ball off the glass. Not a great shooter; he isn't going to score a ton of points, but he's just an energy guy who just seems to always be around the ball, especially when it's when it's on the floor or coming off the rim or off the backboard. Right. Yep. And, and was asked to take on a bigger scoring load. So it was fun to watch him not have to be the number two guy uh, with Jones out there and, and get, gave him a little bit more freedom in the offense as well. Well, we should probably talk about Jace Townsend as well. That's a, he's, he's a junior now, so he's been in the, in the league for a few years, had his opportunity. Many of us predicted this would happen with the day murky uh, leaving from last season, that it would be really Townsend's team averaging almost 20 points a game. What what do you think Western tries to do to to slow down Jace Townsend? Do you think they just let him get his and play everybody straight up, or do you think there will be some double teaming on Townsend, or, or what do you think happens there? I think you're going to see them go with what they did against Amude when, when South Dakota was in town, where they're just going to throw a lot of guys at him and try and make him work as much as they can at both ends of the floor. Uh, we talked about Cameron Burrell. He had the he kind of had uh, Amude right out of the shoot. Uh, he did a pretty good job on him. Uh, Will Carey has had his had a shot at him. Rod Johnson had a shot at. Uh, Ramin Hilton had a chance at Garden. I think they're just going to throw a bunch of guys at him and just try and wear him down and make him work for everything he gets. I mean, that seems to be Western's kind of when they have a a team that has a premier score. Uh, that's what they do. They usually just try and throw a bunch of guys at you, wear you down, make you work, run you through a lot of screens at the defensive end, and, and just kind of chase you all over the place and make things really difficult for them. So I'm I'm going to guess Borrell will start on him, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see four or, different, four or five different guys take their turn. Right. Well, and even last week, Western was throwing a lot of uh, double teams in the post to get the ball out of players' hands on on Omaha as well. So it's just that they're, they're that active, try to make you make mistakes type type of defense. And, 
And I did want to talk about their activity because one thing I haven't ever had to question on this Western Illinois team is whether they would play hard. Now that didn't always lead to results, um, but it has for the last three games. And one of the things you notice, not only the energy on the, on the court, but the energy off the court as well on the bench and, and, and things like that. And it, if in talking to coach Jeter, has he said that that's something they're making an emphasis on that they want the bench to be just as involved as the players on the floor? Oh, definitely. He's made that a big point of emphasis for this rot for this roster. And you look at Western's home games. I don't know if you actually, but there's no fans involved. Right. They aren't letting fans in. So every game is a neutral site or a road game for them. And he mentioned, Hey, it's a neutral site or road game for us. So we got to create our own energy. We got to rely on each other to really get us going. And we can't rely on a crowd because there's no crowd there. You go on the road. Some of these places are letting fans in. So they're already kind of at a disadvantage on the road. But that, that was his big point of emphasis, just saying that Western's got to create its own energy. They kind of have to be their own fans because they aren't allowed to have any. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, and it, it was a blast to watch. I, 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 I will say I try to watch. I, I think I've watched every Summit League game, at least in replay. That I that a person can get their eyes on this season. Just trying to uh, make sure if you know if we're going to cover this, I try to cover as best I can. And uh, yeah, it, it the energy on their bench. You know, I try not to have a team to root for, but it's pretty hard not to get excited for a team that puts in that much energy cheering on their their teammates. And one of my favorite scenes was after they won their first Summit League game, the celebration in the locker room, like just that. almost that feeling of exhaling, like finally all this effort has, has come to something. And that's why I'm interested to see what Denver does this weekend. They got that monkey off their back, so to speak. They've got talented players. It's not like they're completely devoid of talent. Jones and Townsend are legit summit league high end talents. And Hines is, is getting himself there as well. So it really will be an interesting matchup this weekend as we watch these two teams. One one that has kind of finally started to pull themselves off the mat and one that is finally coming together as this completely new group of of players. So yeah. with that, oh, go ahead, Scott. Well, I was just going to agree. With, I mean, you, you, like you said, we've seen it with Western. Just the amount you can just relax when you get that first win, and everything seems to be easier. You, everything seems to be freer. It just feels like you're playing basketball, and you're not looking at the scoreboard thinking, you know, we might not ever win a game this year. Now that they've won a game, I, it just, I think you're going to see a much more relaxed Denver team, a team that's getting healthy. Guys are getting, you know, they're getting everybody back. They're getting used to playing as a full unit now, and I, I think just winning one game just helps you so much, and you don't feel like well, you know, we're, you know, this might not ever come And They're playing for something too. I mean, Omaha is right behind them. And if Omaha can figure out a way to put a winner win together in Kansas city, now things get really interesting for that eight spot. So Denver's battle, it's still got a lot to fight for too. I mean, this isn't like they've got one win, they're two or three games back of everyone. And they're just playing out the string. They still have a good shot at not only getting to Sioux Falls, but moving up to seven or six, eight, seven or six, if they can put together a nice streak to end the season. Well, and that is the, you, I I don't think we've said this on the Sunday podcast. We don't think this was on purpose, but if we were trying to do the schedule on purpose, this would be a fun way to do it because almost every team is playing teams that matter 
in these last, well, counting last week, the last four weeks. And so you've got, you know, if, if Western falls on their face the next couple of weeks, they could be in real trouble based on who they're playing. And then Denver on the other end could move them up, up, up to seventh, sixth, something like that, just based on the la- the matchups of the last four weeks. So it really is going to turn into a, a really exciting last three weeks of the season. And Denver even has that added, like, well, we had a really bad season, but look what happened once Robert Jones came back or mm-hmm. something like that. So, you know, whatever motivation you have to use, uh, I think that's what, coaches and, and teams are trying to do in these last th- three weeks. So I wanted to ask you of your, we'll do two things before we close up one, what matchup are you most looking forward to? And that could be the premier matchups, or it could be one that is completely off the radar. And along with that, if you want to mention a couple of names, you didn't get a chance that that might deserve some mentioning, that'd be fine too. And then we'll, after you do that and I do that, we'll wrap up with what we think is going to happen this weekend. Well, I, I want to see uh, – we talked about it earlier. I want to see Pearson and Jones or Anhold and Jones. I want to see those big fellows on the block and see if Western's kind of figured some things out as far as guarding a big physical back-to-the-basket post player. I mean, that's going to be the key for them is I think they can guard pretty well on the perimeter. I think they can do a decent job keeping uh, – keeping some of the scores from, from Denver on the perimeter in check. But I, you know, I really think they've got to figure out a way to hold the big guy down low. So that's the matchup I'm going to be watching. Yeah, and if I I were to to say my matchup, you know I think it's the same. I, it's boring to say the exact same one, mm-hmm. but I'm so curious to watch Hines because the guys guarding Hines are very similar, and and that it's just such an interesting matchup to watch with with a freshman and then guys whether they be JUCO guys or grad transfers or what have you, um, matching up with with the young guy. That's probably my favorite matchup to to just watch as it happens this weekend. And then just a couple of players that I think could sneak in and do some surprising things. Eric Monkhouse, a pretty mm-hmm. good outside shooter, could is one of those guys I could see just hitting six three-pointers in a game and just completely changing the game. And then a guy way off the radar who I think could do the same thing, Kobe Lamb. He played a little bit in the in the more than he had all season, but he played uh, last week, and I wish I had the numbers in front of me, but it was relatively low minutes, and he put up nine shots in that. It might have been about a shot a minute. So he is not afraid to shoot the ball, and from everything I've heard coming out of Denver, is Lamb is an elite shooter. We just haven't seen it yet. So I'm wondering if one of those shooters for Denver that we really haven't... Now, Monkhouse, we have seen uh, do some pretty good things in, on the perimeter, especially the last three or four games, but I'm wondering what we... if somebody like Kobe lamb, if Denver were to come out with especially a sweep, I feel like it's gotta be someone we just weren't expecting that comes in and does something special. Yeah. It's, I think it's when you've got teams that are kind of, I would say even as far as personnel and, and want to do things similarly at both ends, it is those kind of maybe that fifth guy in the starting lineup. You don't think about that sixth or seventh man, the, first couple guys off the bench, a guy like Anthony Jones, who'd been quiet the last few weeks for Western at Omaha. He had a 21 point game in the first game at Omaha a week ago. And he really hadn't done much at the offensive end in the previous few weeks. And he had a real breakout performance. So he's a guy that maybe he's playing with a little bit more confidence down. He could have a big night for the Leathernecks. And I just love the Anthony Jones story because 
No, there might have been another player that I'm not remembering a walk on who who is mm-hmm. from last year's team. But the only scholarship player was Anthony Jones. And it's just such a so often when new coaches come in, even when the half the team is is returning players, those returning players just disappear. And that has not happened with any Anthony Jones. He's come in contributed to the team and, and really had an impact on what has happened this season. Yeah, and he was a transfer uh, last year to Western. He was a junior college transfer. So it, last year was his first year in system at, at McComb, at Western. And he and you mentioned it, he, along with a walk-on who was a senior as well, they were the only two guys who, who stuck around. And he was kind of the welcoming committee for everyone because right. he's been around. He, right. He's been in the league. for. I mean, he'd only been in the league for a year, but he'd at least been in the league. So he was kind of the guy who – kind of took the bull by the horns right away and really kind of rolled out the red carpet for everybody, including the coaching staff. Well, a, a year in the league at Western this season was the, the senior member. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, if you're going to ask anybody, he's the guy to ask. So we'll wrap up with what do you think happens this weekend? So we've got a three win summit league team at home against a one win summit league team. Like you said, it's a relatively similar personnel. What do you think happens between those two teams this weekend? Oh, I just I think Western's just is playing. I don't I don't want to say they figured it out or they're, they're perfect, but right now I just like the way they're playing and they feel like a team that is playing with a lot of confidence and just seems to be much more comfortable. Now they haven't won a game at home yet this year, which seems really weird to say, but they've only played I think four or five games at home this season, so they haven't <laughs> had a lot of time at Western Hall. But I think they get uh, a home their first home win of the season, and I think they get a sweep at Denver and a really pivotal pivotal sweep to move them maybe closer to that six five spot on the on the line for the postseason tournament. Right. It's, it's surprising. They haven't won at home with the big inflatable Rocky to cheer them on, but uh, the, uh, so, and I, I do love that that gets inflated, even though there's no, the refs probably like it. Um, so what do I think happens this weekend? I think it's a Western sweep also. Uh, I just like the vibe. So there, there's some really in-depth basketball knowledge being shared uh, with the people listening. It's just got that feel. Um, and maybe maybe Denver winning and going twice to overtime against North Dakota it gets them going in the right direction. And I do like that Jones has returned. Um, Monkhouse has played a lot better. There there are some good signs. Giovanni Bickham even has played better. But uh, but I just think Western sweeps this weekend. It just feels that way. It, it uh, I think both games are close, and I just mm. feel like Western has started to win some closer games and. And it has a lot of confidence. I've had a, a Western player direct message me on Twitter. Um, let's just say he's full of confidence on what this team can do. Um, and, and so, you know, I'm sure most people, I hope most people when they get to this level are confident in their abilities and feel like that's going to happen. But it's just got that feel of a, uh, it's an overused term, but a family vibe to it a little bit, like sort of this people counted us out and, and a lot of, of my time before I ended up really focusing on the summit league, I would focus on the summit and the horizon and coach Jeter is very well thought of, especially Mm -hmm. from Milwaukee fans um, who did not appreciate the way that he was neither did coach Jeter, but uh, the, (laughs) the way that it ended in Milwaukee. And so they often will lament that things would be much better if they still had coach Jeter there. I, so I just think he's starting to get the team going in the right direction and I'm a little bit worried. I hate to 
say this, but I'm a little bit worried that Denver's kind of the other way that it almost is like, at least we got one win. Um, But if things go bad, they could really still fall apart, but you're right. They'd still have something to play for Omaha's right there. Um, And it's one of the reasons I like the fact with the nine teams, they don't try to find a way for everybody to play. I kind of like that. You have to battle your way in. Um, I will, if to, to compare it to last year, Western feels like last year's Denver to, um, to this year's Denver to last year's Western where Denver went on that big run to, to take mm-hmm. that eighth seed and feel good. And, and then brought North Dakota state right to the end in, in round one of the tournament Western feels like the team that is, is riding the wave a little bit. And, and Denver's just kind of happy. They got that first one out of the way. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's just, things it like you said there's just a vibe now and, and you know a win a, a, it's it's a modest win streak but three wins in a row for this program that's the most they've had in the summit league since the 2012 2013 season when they shared the regular season title with, with South Dakota State so i mean it just seems like things are kind of the head trending in that direction where this team is starting to play its best ball and i know the schedule isn't what it was at the beginning of the conference season but you know, you, you can only win the games you play and they're starting to win the games they're playing. Right. Well, and you know, they hold currently the longest winning streak in the summit. So that's nothing to sneeze at, um, at three, but, uh, all right. Yeah. Yes, it is. (laughs) And I I think it's only going to get crazier. These next three weeks are going to be fantastic. And for those of you listening, every single game can be seen somewhere this weekend. Mm -hmm. And and one of the cool parts is there's two games on Friday and two games on Sunday, and then Saturday has all four uh, all four games happening, uh, basically at the same time. But except for the North Dakota is, is earlier in the day, I think because of hockey. But yeah, a lot of opportunity. Football's over before football starts again, if that makes sense. Um, and uh, so there's all sorts of time to watch some summit league basketball this weekend. So with that, we will wrap up and Scott, I appreciate you joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.